if God is real and he's all good, all powerful, how can there be evil in the world? We discuss this and more with special guest, Dr. Zach Schmall on this episode of The Overthinkers. thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to the Overthinkers. I am your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, resident moody optimist. And with me as always is my tediously terrific co-host. Nathan Clark's an actor, author, filmmaker, and um, oh wow. Uh, I got nothing. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> resident, I got the first nothing. time I've ever had nothing. <laughs> you know, we've done a few of these episodes. Yeah, no, I have. There's nothing else about me that anyone should know. <laughs> and, and you have braved the no prep time yes. with the dragon. You, you all know every descriptor <laughs> of me now. And we're done. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, I guess that's it for the podcast. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, with us today is a very special guest. He is an author and academic with a PhD in humanities at Faulkner University and an MA in apologetics from Houston Baptist University. He serves as the managing editor of an unexpected journal, a quarterly publication of culture and imaginative apologetics. His academic work has been published in Christianity literature, Mythborn, Cistercian Studies Quarterly. I messed that up very badly, I know. Journal of Faith and Academy, Fourth World Journal. His essays have also appeared in the Imagined Conservative, Public Discourse, Front Porch Republic, and The Federalist. His new book, Disability and the Problem of Evil is available as of July 31st. He is the zealous, the zen, the zany, Dr. Zach Schmoll. Zach, welcome to the show. I love that. Every adjective that ever started with Z, and you're <laughs> yeah. so you're, you're the last guest we can have with the name Zach. <laughs> I literally Googled, it was like, where are the Z adjectives? And I found all of them. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, so well. Anyway, we are already having a lot of fun on this show, and we always have fun on the show. If you enjoy this show, then we'd love for if you can find ways to support us and be part of the community. So, Nathan, if you want to support us and become a part of the community, what can they do? Do the Mario. Uh, well, first of all, if you do like the show, it would mean so much to us if you would give us a review. It really does help us out. And please share with a friend. Share with a friend you know likes these topics, is looking for places to discuss all these interesting big questions uh, in a fun way. So please give us a review and share with a friend. And if you want to connect with more overthinkers yourself, we have a great online Facebook group called the Overthinkers, a private group where we have tons of memes and articles and discussions. And it's just a lot of fun. It's lighthearted, but it's also deep. So please head over to the Overthinkers private group on Facebook. And if you want to get in touch with us, tell us how wrong or right we were. You can go to the overthinkersjournal.com where you can read um, about us and you can also read some new posts and blog posts about some of the topics that we talk about on the show. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. We're very glad to have you on the show, Zach, and very glad to have you on the show to be discussing this very light and uncontroversial <laughs> question. <laughs> Seriously, one of the hardest questions in religious thought, the problem of evil, since you've just written on that topic. So the problem of evil has challenged philosophers and the average religious observer alike for thousands of years. Epicurus most famously formulated the argument in ancient Greece that because of evil and suffering in the world, if God is good, he cannot be all powerful because he would, if he would be able to stop it, or he cannot be all good because he would desire to stop it. This argument was later taken up by philosophers like David Hume, fictional characters like Lex Luthor, and a famous modern neuroscientist and philosopher, Sam Harris, who definitively pronounced, the problem of vindicating an omnipotent and omniscient God in the face of evil is insurmountable. 
That said, theologians and philosophers throughout history have taken up their own stabs at surmounting this very problem. From St. Augustine's invention of the modern concept of the will to Gottfried Leibniz's, um, butchering that name as well, best of all possible worlds theory and modern day Dr. William Lane Craig's sufficient reason argument. In fact, Dr. William Lane Craig has said that it is the proponents of the problem of evil argument who have yet to convince them to make their case in thousands of years. So, Dr. Zach, you are in a shockingly unique position to talk about the subject. First, because of your degree in apologetics, which makes you familiar with some of these, all of these arguments on both sides of this issue. The second, because of your own history of disability where you have firsthand experience with the unfairness of life in ways that most people of us won't ever know. So given all that, which case have you found most personally persuasive, both on intellectual and personal level, and why? And you, by the way, you can start out at the thing here, and of course, we'll ask default questions, so you don't have to all at the top of the video answer the entire <laughs> question. Yeah, go, the honesty, go. Thousands of years, and it's all going to be solved right now. And we'll talk about that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The definitive answer. But no, it's, um, you're right. I mean, in a lot of those um, thinkers that you mentioned, I do reference in my book, right? Um, mm. Because obviously the problem of evil is one of those things that it it's troubling for a few reasons, right? I mean, one, like you said, there's a logical problem, right? Because um, like if God is all good, why doesn't he remove evil, right? So there's that element of it. But there's also a deeply kind of emotional, personal mm. element to the, the problem of evil. Um, and even modern day, um, thinkers like Alvin Plantinga, who um, a lot of people on the uh, religious side of the argument would say he's pretty much dealt with the logical problem of evil very well. Um, he's in terms of a free will defense. Now, we'll get into that later, but if you don't take up free will, obviously you'd have issues with that. Yeah. Um, but even let's say he has, just hypothetically for right now, let's say he solved the problem of evil, it still feels wrong when I have to experience mm. evil, right? Yeah. Even if I understand that it's logical that God exists and evil exists in the world, even if I understand both of those concepts together, it still feels wrong. Like I still don't want to have pain. I don't want to have suffering. Um, and you mentioned my history a little bit. Um, so well, you can't really see it on Zoom, but um, I'm in my wheelchair here. Um, I have spinal muscular atrophy. Um, it's a genetic condition. So you can't even say in that scenario, uh, back to the free will argument, I made a dumb decision that I shouldn't mm -hmm. have and I hurt myself. Or somebody else made a terrible decision and hurt me, right? You can't really right. say that. I mean, it's genetic. So outside of... I mean, hypothetically, if my parents weren't my parents in a way that they never knew, you know, um, right. there's no blame to be laid on this topic. And mm. so it, it it very much, there's there's both of those elements kind of in tension. Um, now, most of my book, I try to talk about the logical problem of evil. Right. Um, I, I tend to focus more on that. Um, I'm I'm an apologist and I'm... Well, I try to be sensitive, but I'm not all that sensitive all the time. So, <laughs> it's me a, either. It's, You're in good company. Joseph is a nice one. <laughs> he really is. It's an occupational hazard, though, being an apologist to be like, it's the logical problem, don't you see? <laughs> exactly. And 
and you know, I, I, I even say that in my conclusion that, you know, I'm, I, I don't pretend to be a pastor. I don't pretend to be, you know, necessarily the best at trying to, you know, empathetically feel through it with you. Um, but I hope to at least help you understand kind of the reason uh, why sure. um, God and evil aren't like mutually exclusive, right? Yeah. So people and at least don't have a double suffering where it's like, you know, you have the suffering of the actual pain and then you have the suffering of believing that you've been abandoned. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you're right. And that's a huge thing about abandonment. Um, yeah. That's a huge struggle. Um, I know for a lot of people, it's like, well, if God loved me, right, why would he, like, I mean, the Bible is full of miracle stories. Um, yep. Like Craig Keener, who some of your, you guys might know or some of your listeners might know, he's written a major tome on miracles. It is hmm. a super huge volume where he kind of tries to document like miracle claims um, throughout history. Um, it's a, a massive work of scholarship, but the point is, like, okay, Jesus healed some people, but why didn't Jesus heal me? You know? mm, yeah. So that's kind of the wrestling, that abandonment that you were talking about. Yeah. Now that that's I, I love that you brought up, and I, I think this is important to say, and I think a lot of Christians and apologists don't bring up this issue because it's yeah. uncomfortable, it's hard. We want to tackle this uh, analytically. It, this is good. I'm an analytical person. Yeah. That's how I move. But I love that you talk about the emotional aspect, and I think far too often we throw the emotional aspect out, yeah. and that even if you can explain all of this, there's still that okay, but why? It still hurts. I'm still living in this reality of brokenness. Yeah. And I'm told that there's this God who can do everything, who can fix anything, who is all powerful. And he's just not, he is yeah. watching us suffer. And you're telling me he's good. And, and what parent would, would sit back and watch a kid? And we're told he's a father, right? We're, uh -huh. we're told that God is a father. What parent would sit back and watch a kid as he gets hurt or, or, or um, something terrible happens if he has the power to stop it. Yeah. Um, and so this is a great question. And this is actually, it's, it's interesting. I've been asked many times because I'm a pastor's kid and my parents were same. Um, yeah. yeah we're, we're Christian writers and such. And I've been asked by many people, believer and not, if I've ever struggled with belief in God. And typically through most of my life, belief in God wasn't the hardest thing for me. Yeah. You know, everyone talks about seasons of doubt and stuff. Uh -huh. my, my doubt didn't formulate around God's existence. It, that was something that was introduced to so early and is so real to me in this way of the world that God's existence wasn't something that I have found typically myself doubting or struggling with. But the thing I do, the way my, my doubts do formulate, the, the thing I do struggle with is, I and I still do, is questioning the truth about God and who he is and if yeah. he's good. Yeah. My doubts have typically, and I still struggle with this, have formulated around, all right, God exists, but I don't know if he's good. Yeah. And it happens as a result of, like you're saying, of dealing with the real world pain that we have and being told that well, God is wonderful. He can do miracles. He's all powerful. And I, and some of my, many of our listeners will know, I struggled with mental illness my entire life. And mm. in fact, very, very severe mental illness. Um, and, you know, this is something I had as a kid in the form of OCD and, and it really uh, wrecked havoc on my life. And I remember wondering, why would you give this to me and why won't you take it away? And I've been to many, many church services where people laid hands on me and yes. said, just believe and God will take it away. And lo and behold, I'm 32 and, and I, still, I still live with this. I still live with my mental illness. 
And so it was an interesting time, which, which I imagine even in a, in a more visceral way for you, growing up going, I want to believe in God, I want to believe in his goodness, but why, why is he leaving me here in this yeah. pain? And then hearing all the, the you know, um, congregation, church and, and culture, the Christian culture say, he's good, he can do miracles. And you're just left wondering, well, I don't know how. Why didn't he do be. it for me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, again, I, and yeah. My, you know, I grew up, my sister's in a wheelchair as well. And, you know, and I, I relate to that, you know, like people, people just suddenly, they see someone in a wheelchair in certain congregations and immediately it's like a magnet. Everyone yeah. wants to lay down a hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, my sister would be like, no, don't, don't do it. Don't take me to another charismatic church. I don't want to have We love you, charismatic We love the charismatics. Church. No, just talk about a personal experience. Yeah. <laughs> but, but so that's, and that's, and that's something, I think that that's, that's something that, that's a really good point is there is a difference, as you point out, Zach, between the emotional and the intellectual question. That if you're struggling with the emotional question, often what people just need is just be loved by yeah. people mm. and cared for. But not argued into But it. not argued into, well, this is why you shouldn't feel bad. However, there is also the intellectual thing where it's like it can actually be a comfort if you are in a place to have explained how it could be possible True. that you can suffer and God still loves you and you can still trust him to t- be powerful enough to take care of you. Um, so, so w- what would you say to those people? What would be so like the, some of the basic things you say that have been both, you think the strongest arguments logically, but then also been helpful to you to say like, why is, you know, how, how can, how can I suffer and God still be powerful and good? Sure. Um, so one thing, so my personal, um, well, theology on this is I, I am a pretty strong proponent of kind of a, it's called the free will defense, right? Sure. Uh, planting a, again. Um, and essentially the, well, a very basic formulation is that God had to allow the risk that people would abuse free will if right. he gave them free will, right? And free will is not something that you can hand to someone and then say, oh, but don't do that. Right, mm. so, <laughs> you're free, but you're not really free. You're still a robot, right? You can't dictate terms of yeah. what people do with their free will. Um, and so I, I mean, for me, I find it quite convincing that um, even in a perfect world, right? Even in a, a Garden of Eden scenario, right? We find Adam and Eve making a choice that is poor. Right. Mm, interesting. That's a good point. Feel repercussions forever. Um, and well, we're we're not really having an origins debate on this show, so I mean, <laughs> but but I mean, even no matter how you take that story, yeah. right? If in a perfect environment, people will still use their free will to rebuild a hands God, is it any surprise that our world has as many issues as it does? Um, and so if you have, um, you know, at least for me, I mean, about, you know, uh, creation, like groaning, right? That's mm, a, yeah. And so even the natural world suffers from human uh, poor decisions, human free will, um, from my perspective. Um, okay. And so for me, um, you know, essentially, the fallenness of the world comes through the abuse of human free will and that manifests itself in creation and like interpersonally. I mean, we heard each other for that reason too. Um, I, I think experientially that kind of perspective makes sense. Um, mm. I, 
I do believe that we do possess free will. Now, I have sure. another the theological rabbit hole. We <laughs> yes. We've, we've dealt with that a couple of times on this show. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, I don't know if, yeah. Um, although I do, I, I give plenty of credit in my work to uh, more, you know, um, more Calvinistic views, and I don't discredit them at all. I sure. present them as alternatives. Sure. Um, I, I'm not here to divide up Christians. That's not my job. Sure. Um, that's, that's our job. Yeah, we'll, that's, that's right. Right. we'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, time to round up a mob. Uh, but yeah, so I um, personally, I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense to believe that, yeah, we do have free will. And sure. if we do have free will, there's plenty of evidence that we are very good at doing awful things with our right. And creation suffers the consequences. And we have a promise one day in Revelation that, let's go there too, theologically. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of <laughs> theological landmines today. <laughs> um, no, but that everything will ultimately be set to right. Um, mm. The end of Revelation, you see a new heaven, a new earth, no more tears. So we do have, um, when that sin element is removed, we see a world that does not suffer in the way ours does. Um, so, so I guess my a couple a couple of uh, points of of pushback from that I've heard other people say, yeah. and that I kind of have for myself. And uh, Nathan Clarkson, you can also add yours here as well. It's one of the pushbacks I've heard. I think for me, I mean, I resonate with a free will argument as well. Which is, it's just like you know, it doesn't seem like just you look around the world. It seems like yeah, like most of the stuff, the bad stuff that happens, happens from awful people doing awful things. And if if you if uh, just real quick yeah. uh, side, if you don't have the free will, then God is much more complicit. Right, it's exactly. Definitely hard. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah it's like, if it's much more, if it doesn't have free will, then then God this is, is causing, all his. This is all on him. Yes. Exactly. But also, like you know, that's um, and and it's you know, I think it's very compelling. It's like you know. Love isn't love if it's not freely given. Like, you know, that, that all makes sense to me. And I, I don't have a problem with that. Now, I have heard people push back on the free will argument in the sense that, well, okay, well, what about the new heaven and the earth? It's like, if, you know, people are supposed to be, you know, that's supposed to be perfect. But then does that mean we won't have free will when that happens? You or know? if there's a way for us to have free will there, why didn't he start Just out? Just start out that way. Yeah. Exactly. So that's a sort of on the, the free will that I think is, is probably the only compelling case I've heard against the free will argument that I've, that I've heard. Um, and the other one I would just like to hear you talk about is what you've discussed, you know, in your, your book and, and in such about natural evil. Um, because, you know, again, it's just like there are some evils like having a genetic disorder that aren't direct result of people's sin in a way that we can really um, easily trace. trace. Yes, yeah. trace is the perfect word. So I wonder if you could address both of those two kind of, I think are the strongest objections to the sort of free will as being the sort of the key that unlocks um, that door, uh, that would be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it, it's interesting, right? Because planting it himself, he notes that as to your first point about why didn't God create a, a better world, right? Essentially, sure. Right? Like, why, why don't we have the hand of free will that we will have in eternity's future, right? Right. Why, um, and it's interesting because I do, I agree. I find this to be the weakest point of the free will defense. Um, planting a, he had to sneak the term in there called trans world depravity, which is a mm. wonderful term. Mm. Um, it, it sounds that's, like a, it. that's a yeah. nice 600 buck word to <laughs> pull out of your hat. <laughs> I love that. It's kind of my favorite. Um, and essentially, I mean, what he comes 
that and I mean, if well, if you ever have, you know, um, if you read Planting that, he says it a lot more eloquently than I am about to. Um, but his whole point is essentially it it almost it almost comes back to the essence of humanity is fundamentally going to err. And it's kind of just a assumption that he sneaks in there, if you will. So it's not overly, it, yeah, yeah, it's almost like an assumption. That's about the best way I can put it. That is that like, it, it, it's clear that people just are, we make wrong decisions. And so mm -hmm. there's no way to avoid that. And he suggests that in any possible world, hence the whole trans world part of it, uh -huh. that would happen. He he doesn't think that, um, he, he just doesn't think that ultimately it's escapable in our mm -hmm. scenario. Now he does, at one point, he does hypothetically say, well, I'm not saying God can't do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But he, he, it's an interesting part of his book. Uh, he does acknowledge that it's possible God could have, you know, done this. Um, but he really comes back to the idea that this is the best possible world that God could have made. And I think that connects to your second point, well, or to the second part of that point about the new heaven and the new earth and the eternity future. Um, and now we're coming back to me, um, not to plant air. Um, but if you have a scenario where people have freely chosen God, right? Uh, we're trying to align our will with him. Mm -hmm. And you know, on this earth, we do that imperfectly. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we try. We try to become more conformed to the image yeah. of God, right? But we all know even the best Christians here, um, you know, we still fall short. Right. Um, and so, however, when we get to heaven, you get what you want, right? And as Christians, we want to be more like God. Hmm. And so we are able to have that good desire. Um, mm. Obviously, some people choose not to become conformed to the image of God. They reject God. Um, and so I think that's kind of where the differentiation lies, that um, you know, we have a free choice. We can choose to want to become more like God. And then in heaven, God perfects our ability to align with his will. It's still our free choice. It's what we've been orienting towards this entire time, but we just were not able to get there here. Um, so, and, and, and I'll jump in real quick and see if I can take a stab at it too. One of the ways you, yeah. that in studying um, a lot of apologists and this issue, because I, I think this is a very compelling issue for yeah. atheists. I think yeah. there's a lot of thin yeah. ones. I think this one is really difficult for Christians yeah. and people of faith to answer. But one way to answering the question of why didn't God set up the world like he's going to, um, you know, when he remakes heaven and earth, uh, when right. everything is new and people won't do that anymore. And the way I've understood it is the same way um, if a parent is in the room with their teenager, the teenager is not going to act badly. Right, because yep. he knows yep. there's going to be immediate consequences, or he doesn't want to disappoint, or whatever right. it is. But if the if the parent is removed out of the room, then you see the teenager's true heart and will at right. work. Mm. So the earth we live on, the world we live on, is made by God. Yep. It's seen by God. 
But you even see throughout the Old Testament, his presence is more fully revealed and less fully revealed yeah. in different places. Uh-huh. And so when the world was created, he, he is here. He is, he is aware. He's right. all, knowing all this. But there was his presence is almost how do I say this? I don't, I don't want to drift into a heresy here. But almost, uh, it's too late for that. Yeah, it's been a year of podcast later. It's way too late. <laughs> but his presence is almost behind a veil. It's sure. like the parents standing yeah. outside of the room and saying, I'm not going to stand here overlooking everything you do sure, yeah. uh, because then you're not going to act with your will. I'm going to step behind this door and allow you to act in your will so that love and free will can exist. And so if the teenager acts rightly, and I'm using teenagers because we're all rebellious when we're teenagers, yeah. right? <laughs> if the teenager acts rightly, um, then his will, it, even when the parent isn't watching, then his will is in line with the relationship right. he has with his parent. And if he doesn't, then he's acting against his parent. But the parent had to step out of the room for that situation to take place. So God had to step behind that veil so that free so will and that we actually him. could choose him. Whereas in the new world, when everything's recreated in the redeemed world, God's presence will be fully in every center, in every inch of it. And so it's not that we'll, we'll be scared of the consequences, but having his presence so fully yeah. um, in the world will actually, we won't even want to. Does that make sense? That, that, that yeah. makes sense. I, I'll take another, sort of one of the things that I've thought about here. And basically we're giving, we're, we're doing this and giving you a chance to, for you, the apologist to say, yes, I bless this. And no, <laughs> yeah. no, I don't you bless You got this. it wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, Blessing and curses. Blessing and exactly. curses earlier on in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well played. Um, but no, for my, is that I've always thought about this in the sense of, of a part of the process of, I'm sorry, we're getting a Amber alerts on our phones. Uh, all this podcast is going on. Yeah, exactly. It's New York. You never know what's going to happen. Um, but, uh, is, is a part of this process sort of self-creation to a certain degree. Yeah. You can't work co-create self co-creation to a certain degree because, you know, there's a certain degree in which, you know, you are always free to make choices, but you're not free from the consequences of your choices. Mm-hmm. And part of the consequence to choices is that it makes it harder to make different choices in the future. Yes. And, you know, you talk about, you know, it's from the blame plasticity, something you talked about on this podcast. Yeah. Is the, the, you know, they talk about if the more you have either, you know, like depressed thoughts or, or, or things like that, or, or negative, negative, the more those pathways in your brain yes you know, increase and therefore you're more likely to do those things in the future. By the way, it's literally, uh, the pathogens in your brain are physically created. Oh, yeah, and the yeah. more you think it, the deeper they actually This grow. is not like a, this is not a, 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 a metaphorical no, you know, this statement. No, science. This, this, this literally is, creates, literally yeah. material. They can look at your habits. brain and see where. <laughs> and the thing is, that's sort of how I see the, the process of like sanctification for Christian right. that's talked about in theology is that when you're making the decision to, to, you know, follow Christ or be like God or like be under his authority, you're basically submitting to a process where you're creating yourself to be more of the kind of person yeah. who it's just like, sure, theoretically, you could not do this other thing, but your brain is just much more wired to be. And so if you're both in an environment where that's being encouraged, like you said, like God is around and you've yeah. already submitted to the process of creation, the idea that there will be significant um, significant deviations from from what is good, true, and beautiful isn't. But the thing is, that doesn't subvert the idea of free will because you have in a part of the process of making yourself that way. You were in an environment where you could choose to do that. So that's kind of where I, I how I've thought about that. Same so when you're in heaven, you will be able, or, or the new world, whatever yeah. you call it, you will be able to sin 
you just won't want to because yeah. you're remade. Right. And you are part of choosing becoming that re- part of that remade situation. In the presence of yeah, right. yeah, your creator. Yeah. And there is something very significant to what both of you are saying, a common thread that runs through it, is that, you know, God, um, I mean, he, he is the one that can fulfill all our desires, right? We talk yeah. about this a lot. So if all your desires are being fulfilled and he's clearly right there in front of you, why would you not choose what will fulfill? I mean, that's half yeah. of our sin problem here, right? Mm. We choose to fulfill our desires in a destructive way. Right. You know? So I, 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 think, I might yeah, even say good. the whole sin problem. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, about the, uh, the natural sin point, because yeah. we didn't actually get to that part. Yes, natural. Yeah. So natural evil is a very, uh, there's a few interesting things about natural evil. Um, one is whenever it comes up in the media, right? You have a pastor who's like, judgment's being brought on this because like this tornado or this hurricane, or I, I mean, dare we say like Sodom and Gomorrah? I mean, there's natural evil wrecking a city. Noah's Ark, I mean, a, a flood wrecking natural, it's God involved, but so that's where some people jump right away. Um, I don't think that answers the question fully, though. That's why some people jump right into it and just say, oh, it's God judging you. Because, I mean, let's take, yeah, any kind of genetic disability or, I mean, I mean, really any evil. We could even broaden the discussion, any kind of natural evil. Um, How, I mean, it's kind of like Job, you know, is, is that question of, Oh, hey, if I did something wrong, tell me. But I, I don't know what I've done wrong, right? I don't understand yeah. what I've done wrong. And uh, there are people Jesus, who've done yeah. worse and had yeah. lesser consequences. Exactly. And even like Jesus, there's that man born blind. Yeah. And the mm. disciples ask Jesus and they say, well, who sinned, him or his parents? Mm. And Jesus is like, neither. Um, <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Trick question. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yes, it's very true. And that passage, I think, about the man born blind and Jesus's response is critical to understanding natural evil. Hmm. Because Jesus's answer is essentially, well, he's here to bring glory to God, right? That's hmm. I'm paraphrasing. This is not my uh, literal uh, KJV translation. <laughs> the, the, the exact <laughs> small translation of That's scripture. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, all of my amazing Greek knowledge, um, <laughs> not at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that's a critical differentiation mm. when we think about natural evil, because, um, and one writer who's written powerfully about this topic is a Johnny Erickson Tata. Oh gosh, uh, yes. I mean, she's, a lot of people, she was huge and, well, she's still huge, but what, her ministry started in the eighties and she's yeah. been huge for a long time. Um, it's actually funny because my mom really enjoyed her stuff when she was a teenager. She wow. never realized how relevant like, disability is in her life. <laughs> wow. And, and like, for the li- listeners who don't know, Johnny yeah. Erickson Tata is a writer, figure, uh, thinker who is paralyzed. And yeah. she deals with, um, has dealt with that almost her entire life and still writes about the love and beauty of God. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of what she talks about, too, you're right, is she's very much the love and beauty of God. and. Um, very much that 
God has used her in powerful ways, um, and her ministry in powerful ways to kind of improve the lives of people with disabilities around the world. Mm -hmm. um, but even in smaller ways, uh, I quote, and again, I'm paraphrasing, um, but in my book, she talks about how, yeah, some days it's really hard to wake up. Some days it's really hard to get mm -hmm. out of bed. Someone comes in to help her, you know, get in her chair. And like, her whole perspective is, but I can bring Lord God through this experience. So I think when we think about natural evil, a lot of it, and I personally, I do think the world has fallen because of human free will. I don't believe natural evil existed pre-fall. Sure. Um, so I, I do think, again, the intellectual answer is natural evil is just um, another consequence of humans sure. uh, having the world fall. We might not be able to trace it exactly, but it's through our choices over right. years and years and thousands of years. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's evolution of consequences of sin. Right, just like somewhere. pollution is example exactly. of, of how, of uh, uh, human evil, it's just extrapolating that idea. And, okay, that makes sense, yeah. And so, I mean, I agree, like, that's kind of the intellectual side, but the emotional side, I think is very much, um, how do we, you know, everything, our purpose on earth, right, is to bring glory to God. That's the Christian purpose. Um, is to help glorify God and to have a relationship with him and draw closer to him. Um, and so natural evil is certainly an opportunity to show that to the world. If hmm. nothing else, natural evil provides a an opportunity. Now, again, why me? I mean, that's what it comes back to, right? Sure, why yeah, me? yeah. Um, but I think, I think it's very, I think it's also very true. And it's funny. I'm, I, I do on my chair, I deal with that stuff. Um, there's a lot of things I haven't had to deal with. I mean, all mm -hmm. things I've had a very good life. I mean, I, I, I really can't complain. Um, and so I think there is a, an issue of wow. perspective here too. Um, mm. where even okay, some people have disabilities, some people don't. Some people, you know, have very difficult home lives. Some people don't. Some mm, people have, yeah, you know, I, I don't know anything. Uh, some people struggle in like school with like friends and social pressure. Some people don't, right? There's a lot of yeah. evil. And so I do think it's helpful to recognize, at least for me, that, you know, what we're all, dealing with the consequences of evil in one way or another. Mm, um, and maybe my way is really obvious in a way that, um, you know, I mean, Nathan, you shared, you know, you dealt with some mental health issues. I bet a lot of people don't understand and yes. they're like, it, it, because it's invisible, right? Abs absolutely, yes. Mine is obvious and people know. And so maybe they accommodate for me in ways they, I mean, might not accommodate if they can't mm. see it, right? Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, I, I think that helps me at least with perspective is we all are in this fallen world. We're all in this um, like sin-wrecked world together. Um, and we all have different battles to fight. So I don't like to, at least for myself, I don't like to elevate my own situation and say, oh, but why me? Because, I mean, all of us could say, why me? Well, yeah. why does God wow. snap and remove all evil? You know? 
Yeah, that's, that's a great, yeah, I, I love that. And I think that's something that's hard to remember. Hmm. Um, I, I love how you say that some evils more obvious, some isn't, but I don't think anyone gets through this life without tasting yeah. the better taste of the brokenness in this world. Uh-huh. And I think it, oh, I'm going to get, I, I can't remember which, who said it in, in scripture, but it is the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. Yeah. And that we, I love how you said it, we're all dealing with the brokenness of the yeah. world together. And I think where I understand the atheist or the, the right. human, whatever it is, uh, the objection to, well, if God is good, then, you know, he needs to make everything right. right. But I think at the end of the day, the reason this argument falls flat is because that's it. They have this argument. Yeah. Okay. Everything, everything is bad. Okay. And the Christian, well, we might not always ever, and I think there are good reasons to, sure. uh, to argue with this, but even if they all fall short for you, if all the arguments for why there's a good God and there's still evil fall short, at the end of the atheist's argument is, well, too bad. You're going to die, and it's yeah. just going to be awful. But at the end of the, the theist's argument, the Christian's argument, it's, yes, things are bad. We don't necessarily know exactly why. But at the end of all of this, there's an opportunity for things, for you yeah. to take part in a new world where things are made right, where we have yeah. new bodies and new minds. Yeah. And so, yes, we might not be able to explain everything now, but it's, it's Occam's Razor. It's the, would you rather say, okay, everything's terrible, or would you, and I know it's not a great argument, but to me it is, and it is an emotional one, but it's, it's true. Or would you rather say, I can't explain everything, but at the end of my argument, I believe that things will be set right. I agree, and it comes back to something uh, that, well, Joseph, you mentioned earlier. Um, I mean, do we believe again that free will is actually good, and the ability to mm. love each other and love God mm. is actually good? Um, and again, free will is not the kind of thing that can be like, oh, well, you you can't you can't make a robot and tell it you're free because it's a robot. Mm. Um, and so it's very. I think that's critical to remember. Like, do we believe that free will is actually good? And I suppose, going back to kind of your atheist argument, right? Um, they might say, well, no, free will is terrible. Like, free will mm-hmm. is a horrendous mm-hmm. thing. But the consequences of that are, I mean, astounding. If yeah. free will is bad, because then love is bad, friendship is bad, um, like, achievement yeah. is bad. Like that sense of achievement you get when you do something like you tried really hard, all that stuff is bad, it, or or at least not good. If yeah. free will is bad, so I think that's critical. That if if it is good for God to have created us as creatures that can have a relationship with each other and a relationship with Him, if that's truly good, I think that's a critical. Um, yeah. And sometimes that gets forgotten. I think that's an excellent point. I'll I'll let you have the last word, but it was things I was thinking about as you were talking about this is that one of the things I find most remarkable is that the places in the world that have the most suffering are also the places that are most likely to be religious. And it's interesting. It's like the, as a result of the suffering, not be the suffering doesn't come as a result of the. Yes, 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 no. And, and, and what, what I was interesting is that, 
what's fascinating to me is that for all the talk we have on this issue and how hard and difficult an issue it is, it's the least persuasive argument to the people who are actually suffering mm. the most. Interesting. The people who suffer the most in the world actually say, no, that it actually makes more sense to believe in God. In a world. And, th- and that to me is, is kind of, you know, it's only like, there's more comfort than less. Yeah, it's like they're almost like the most, the people who suffer the least are most likely to say, oh my gosh, I've had this small bit of suffering in my life. That must mean that God does not exist. And I think that that to me kind of puts it into perspective that there's something else going on um, in the question when people use think of that as a, as a legitimate aspect of the, of the question. And I think that, you know, you pointed out that, you know, I thought about God, you know, using suffering as a way of, of glorifying yourself. I remember um, Dr. Uh, Peter Kreeft once said that, you know, have you ever met a person who's never suffered? They are awful. <laughs> I hate people who've never suffered. I mean, we, that's literally what we are in, in society now calling privilege. Yes. You don't yeah. get it. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like, and, and so, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it's true. You really can't answer all questions about the question about why, why an individual suffering has happened or why global suffering has happened. But, you know, Tim Keller talks about the factors, like, you know, even if you, you never, whether you're an atheist or whether you're a Christian, you never be able to answer all the objections that somebody throws at you. But the Christian, and to your point, Nathan, at least can say this thing. At least we believe in a God that's powerful enough to resurrect a person. To, uh-huh. And to resurrect you. To resurrect you. Exactly. So resurrect his son and by extension resurrect you and loves you enough to go through that himself to do it. And so it's like, you know, so at the very least, we could say there's a God powerful enough to do that and loves you enough to do that. And that actually at least gives you something more than the belief that there isn't a God, such a God um, gives you. Well, and I want to say one thing and then I'll let you um, wrap us up. One thing that I feel like should be said, uh, and this is just more of a a theological thing in understanding this, is that I think a lot of us growing up in church we saw sin as a thing that existed. And, and I've said this a few times right, in the yeah, podcast, yeah, 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 yeah. that this thing that God made and threw into the world, <laughs> as opposed to the idea and the perspective that the world, everything was made wonderful, beautifully, and um, wonderfully, beautifully, and, and, and whole. And that sin isn't this thing that is a thing in and of itself. Yeah. It is the perversion of what is created good. So God did not create sin. Right. Sin was created by taking what he has created that was good and through our free will perverting it. And yeah. I feel like sometimes people forget, no, God didn't throw sin into yeah. the world. Uh, in fact, he put us, a free will agents, into a beautiful, good world he created. And through our free will, we, we perverted and hurt and, uh, and used wrongly the things that he yeah. created. So sin wasn't a thing until we used something he created well and good yeah. badly. I, I agree a hundred percent with what you just said. And I also, um, I mean, it, it's kind of a simple, um, a simple kind of statement, but if, if God is love and love is, or, and God is good, then love is good. Um, and the only way to love is through having free will. So even you, you have to choose to love someone. You can't be forced. Um, I compare it to like the European monarchies when they married their children off, right? For political mm. power. I mean, it doesn't guarantee a loving relationship just because they were legally married. It, mm. you know, it, it's a choice that you have to make. Um, yeah. And so I think, I think to, to your point, you know, 
if if it is good or if love is good then I mean, free will had to exist and that I mean, what would be the better alternative, I suppose, right? Because that's the thing. God could have done better. And it's like, okay, mm. but a world without the capacity to love anyone, I, I don't know what kind of world that is, but it's yeah, probably a whole yeah. lot worse than the one we have now. Amen. Um, Amen. Well, don't know if there's a way to top that. So <laughs> fantastic. Thank you very much. This has been very, this has been awesome. Uh, now we're on to blesses and curses of the week, where if you watch this show, you know, or listen to this show, you know that you have, uh, we have a piece of art or culture that is something to do with the topic of this episode. And we either bless it or recommend it and recommend it or curse it and tell you to stay the heck away from it. So um, we always give our guests the opportunity to go first or last uh, regarding the blessings and curses. Zach, would you like to go first or wait for us to do ours? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. So if I let it down, you guys can pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> no. Unlikely, but we appreciate that. Go right, go for it. So I... I recently was introduced to a children's book, actually, Ooh. or more of a middle school book. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's called, and I'll tie it to the problem of evil, I promise. Um, <laughs> it, it's called Breaking Stalin's Nose. Wow. Ooh. Now that is a title for children's I know, book. That is a children's book I would have liked to read when I was a kid. <laughs> so, so it's, uh, some friends recommended it. Like we were just in casual conversation. Um, it won like a Newberry medal, which is pretty prestigious Ooh, for children. Yeah. Lit. Um, and it's like, I think it's about 10 years old-ish, roughly. Okay. It was in the 2010s somewhere. Um, but it, it's about this child who's growing up in um, in the Soviet Union. And he, well, he accidentally like breaks a bust of Stalin in the hallway. Oh. And he, he didn't mean to, it was unintentional. It's not like he hates Stalin or anything <laughs> at the beginning. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, so it, it's an intriguing look um, at kind of this world where you're looking through this young boy's vision of this world where he's told everything's awesome, everything's great. You know, comrade Stalin is the man, like he's the best ever. Um, and kind of his realization that, wow, there's a lot of wrong things in this world. Like his perfect worldview of the way he thought the world was is like shattered. Um, um, but so yeah, anyway, I, I it's a quick read. I mean, maybe it's 150 pages-ish. It's short. Um, I read it in an hour or two, you know, or probably like that. You know, it's really fast, but it's it's worth reading even as an adult just to see that process of mm. a young boy kind of realizing that everything that he thought was perfect is a little bit like it, 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 you know, as he's like, what's going to happen to me because I broke uh, Stalin's, you know, bust, like what's going to happen? He, yeah, it's, it, it's well read. So totally recommended. Very cool. Very I love good YA novels. I think they call them young adult novels. Yeah. I think that there's a way to convey such really huge and deep truths in a simple and beautiful way through yeah. a child's eyes. I absolutely love those. That's, that's a really good point it's about the problem of evil is that a lot of times the people who try to say, like it's sort like, okay, we're going to create a perfect world. The way, only way they know how to do that is by removing people's freedom. Yeah. And, and, and you see that those worlds don't end up being utopian. They end up being dystopian. And so yeah. a book like that, that explores that really actually is, is really very helpful. So that's good. Good. It's a good, good suggestion. 
Um, you want to go next, Nathan, or do you want me? No, to? you go for it. All right, cool. So I've got a very offbeat um, uh, suggestion for the the uh, uh, bless. So I'm actually going to bless the musical, The Book of Mormon. Oh wow! <laughs> um, I really like that because I, I okay. I am a like pre-K to adult like Christian, and I you know I loved this. Uh, and I thought there were only like three parts of it that I thought were like genuinely like blasphemous or and problematic. Um, I, I <laughs> um, and, and we can I can discuss what those are at that time. But it was but it was really great takedown of toxic religion, but yeah. even also the positive aspects of religion that bring people's lives. You know, they they described it as an atheist love letter to religion. And you get, <laughs> but they but there's one scene in there that's specifically about the Odyssey. That is very much what we were all talking about today, which is the protagonist, the lead, it says the words, you know, in one of the songs, God, why do bad things happen? But most importantly, why do bad things happen to me? And I, I really like, you know, I resonated with that and resonated with that as the, the question, as just an incisive look at the, what the real question is when we are asking these, typically we're asking these questions. We ask the questions of why it happens to us in, um, and that's, a, that's helpful to me to understand whenever I'm asking the theodicy question, is it usually mm -hmm. comes up when I'm suffering rather yeah. than somebody else's suffering. Um, and that it does perspective. It's not like the only, like it's, there's no legitimate questions to ask in the general, but it does help me to remember that, well, what's the real question I'm asking deep down of that? And again, it's a great, just a, a, the fact that they were able to incise that really great. They do that throughout the, the musical, those kind of incisive um, uh, psychological and, and spiritual uh, uh, satire. So I bless it for that reason. Um, for curses, you know, it's honestly, like, we were discussing this beforehand. We're like, like there's, there's gotta be a lot of like really bad, really good, like, you know, books and movies and stuff on the Odyssey. We couldn't think of a whole lot. So I'm, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna curse the movie, The Shack. Um, <laughs> not because it's a particularly theologically bad, you know, movie, and the people have disagreements and arguments about that. I think it's. Eh, I like the book. I didn't read the book. I, I think the, I, the book I really enjoy. Fair enough. Simple, I'm, good, and it does some good things with the odds. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right, which I assured. And again, I don't have a huge issue with how they do that. I mean, I think it's not the strongest arguments that they make back and forth either way, but I think it's it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just boring. The movie is boring. The movie is just kind of very, you know, uh, boilerplate, just like, ah, let's just, you know, do the most basic stuff. We have. And I think that if you're going to deal with this issue, I would prefer somebody to do it artistically, you know, strongly, like the Book of Mormon people did. So, like, <laughs> so, um, so that's the, that's where I'm going to put my, my blesses and curses for this week. So, Nathan. Okay, I, I'm going to bless a book. I usually do, mm. I do a lot of movies. Uh, I'm going with uh, one of my favorite writers slash theologians, pastors, is, is a guy named Philip Yancey. And he's been writing for decades and decades, but he he gets to the heart. He, he does this amazing thing where he talks about these things analytically and logically while still understanding sure. and connecting with the reader in a way that makes you feel understood and not just argued at. Right. And he has a book called Disappointment with God. Mm. And it's essentially, he walks through his own story of disappointment with God and he walks through Job. And it talks essentially about these questions of how do I deal with the disappointment slash doubt slash yeah. how can you do this, God? It's kind of what we talked about early in the episode where, okay, we established I think God exists, but how can he be good if this yeah. stuff is happening? And you see that Job deals with these questions and Philip in this book and his own life deals with them. And it's just a beautifully written book that I think would be a great place 
to start for people who want to um, search this topic more. I also am going to totally unoriginal bless uh, a grief observed by C.S. Oh, Lewis. Awesome. Yeah, and the and the problem of pain. Um, yeah. he has yeah. he's written on this so so well, yeah. and he again he does it in a way that's personal. He's not talking about it as an academic. He's talking yeah. about it as a person. Um, but it, it in a really really painful time in my life, a grief observed was a wonderful wonderful. Yeah helps my mind and my heart grapple with these questions. And, and what's really cool is that, you know, problem of, if the two of them together, problem of pain, you know, is really like intellectual look at it, or, and as, and Grief Observed really goes into being emotional look yes. at it. And so like it, those two together really complement each other. Really Absolutely. Well. And he just has a way of, of connecting with the reader because he's a human. Yeah. Right? He's experienced <laughs> pain. He never pretends that, that he's not. That's C.S. Lewis. Uh, <laughs> and I'd say that both Philip Yancey and Lewis and yeah. these works that I mentioned, they are acting in likeness to um, the writers of the Old Testament. Yeah. And yeah. I think this is something that the, that we forget sometimes as Christians is that you go back and you read the Psalms, you read oh, yes. the Minor Prophets, they were railing at God, where oh, yeah. are you? How could you yes. let this happen? Oh, yeah. And this is a part of scripture, and it's, it's true. Yeah. all through scripture, and it's seen as good. Yes. Um, so to any listeners out there who, who are still struggling with this question and struggling with yeah. the, the brokenness of this world, uh, whatever it might be, this is a good thing to do, to engage yeah. with God and even yell and fight with God about this question. Yeah. And I'd mm-hmm. say that um, Disappointment with God by Philip Yancey and The Problem of Pain and the Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis are going to be my blessings this week. That's that's a great idea. Nice. I'll, I'll it's circle back just briefly. that We've blessed this a lot of the podcast, and so I didn't really think about it this time, but we talk a lot about free will in this one, and we have often blessed the book and movie, um, particularly the book, A Clockwork Orange, Mm. which talks about Me, you i have talked about this <laughs> which is just all about like you know it's like it's if you're how can taking away free will actually make a better world they deal with that question as being as being important so that's another resource you can can look at if that's an aspect of this topic that's interesting uh to you very cool uh curses i don't really have any curses but oh i gosh. will in in lieu of it i'll give another resource if you want <laughs> on the analytical side yeah. of this um one by Zach's book. Yes. Um, <laughs> Disability and the Problem of Evil. Available to author first. And Zach <laughs> is in a host of other people who are talking about this question really well. Uh, a few of whom are, the ones who, who I engage with this question are John Lennox, uh, William Lane Craig, yeah. and Alvin Plantinga, who you mentioned mm, a few yeah. times, who are just really have um, grappled with this question on the more analytical, yeah. uh, theological level uh, really, really well. So I'm just, in lieu of a curse, here's some resources Perfect. to further this conversation <laughs> in your head. That's fantastic. All right. Well, uh, that's, I guess that's it for today. Thank you so much, Zach, for coming on our show. This is amazing. Um, if you want, uh, I assume you ha- may have something coming out that you want to plug. And, uh, and, uh, if, and beyond that, if there's a place where you want people to reach you, or maybe you don't want people to reach you, like where, where <laughs> would you, this is your chance. You want to plug something, you want to tell people where to reach you, go. Sure. Well, yeah. Thank you first so much for having me guys. This is awesome. Um, yeah. So disability problem of evil is coming out in, on July 31st and it will be available on Amazon. Um, it'll be available some other places, but in reality, everybody will buy it on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. True. Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I know. I, I have to pay for that next rocket ship or something. Like that. <laughs> exactly. uh, but but yeah, no. Um, to find more about me, to get in touch with me, uh, Zachary D. Schmall. So my full name. Dot com. Um, 
yeah, obviously that will be plastered with stuff about my books, mm -hmm. but also about all that other stuff you talked about, Joseph, at the beginning. Uh, when I publish stuff, I try to keep that up to date. So yeah, this was great, a lot of fun. And yeah, thank you guys. And you run an online journal as well. Oh, what yeah. is this journal? I do. So an unexpected journal. Um, it's just an unexpectedjournal.com. Uh, you can find your wonderful host, Joseph Holmes, a few times on there. Um, actually, his uh, first article for us was our most read um, article of nice. the last year. Nice. I haven't updated it for 2021 yet, but his was the most read article of 2020. Very cool. Was, there was the, uh, there's an outside the, to 2020. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Where are all the great Christian films? Uh, yeah. article. That was, uh, that was very, I was very proud, very, very, very grateful still, you guys published. People find it all the time and I mean, apparently they love it and it's awesome. It's such a great article. Oh, it's, it's so, and, uh, unexpectedjournal.com. Yeah. Yes, sir. Very cool. All right. And Nathan, if where should people find you if they're looking for you? You can find me at NathanClarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. Cool. And of course, if you want to get in touch with me, I'm on any of the socials. I'm also at JosephFoldStudios.com. And of course, if you want to look at the articles we have, an article we're having, uh, Zach also contributing to an article of ours. So you want to go see articles we're doing or just go see us. Then you have the OverthinkersJournal.com. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm -hmm.